On August 19, 2003, Sergio de Mello, the head of United Nations Mission in Baghdad, was killed along with members of his team and other civilians. We're here to look back at what happened on that Tuesday at the United Nations headquarters based at the Canal Hotel, and we'll together find who killed de Mello. In today's episode, I will tell you two things. Why I'm doing this podcast, Who Killed DeMello? And Who Was DeMello? Hello, y'all. Thanks for joining me. This is your host, Leila. And in today's episode, I will discuss with you two things. Why I'm doing this podcast, Who Killed DeMello? And Who Was DeMello? To those of you who were young enough back in 2003 not to remember who DeMello was, or if you have short memory, I'll briefly tell you about this man and his achievements in the fields of conflicts and his long journey as a United Nations worker. This man that wasn't only a peacekeeper, but a peacemaker. And if Today I'm asking who killed DeMello. That means I have a different story to share with you. It's more detailed than the U.S. military report that came out of Iraq that year. And we'll discuss the crime scene before and after August 19th, 2003. Well, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, by the way. And I'm not uh, saying that the building was not attacked. Yes, there was bombing. There was a truck. There was a driver. But I will share with you things about the crime according to my theory, not according to the U.S. military story that was vague and shady. Let me tell you why I'm interested in this crime and get it out of the way. Well, first, because the crime went unsolved and the case went cold shortly after the incident. Second is, the only suspect in the case, he was not interrogated. For two years, he was under U.S. custody, and later he was handed to the Iraqis who executed him. The American envoy, Paul Bremer, the day of the attack, promised us, I can tell you that we will leave no stone unturned. Referring to the upcoming investigation, but you know what, guys? This is dog shit. I tell you, the FBI who were at the site didn't even fingerprinted the hand of the suicide bomber that was found that day. But to let you know how bad this was handled, instead of fingerprinting the hand, it was sent to Northern Virginia and it decomposed by the time it got to the U.S. per se. Another reason is the death certificate that was issued by the U.S. Army was full of discrepancy errors and not filled out properly, let alone there was no autopsy. I will cover all this in the upcoming episodes. Many questions are left unanswered since 2003 bombing at United Nations headquarters in Baghdad. If you search about the incident, little you'd find about the killers, only memorials, feelings, Anything but facts about this crime. I mean, you see media's articles dated from that year of August 20th, August 22nd, and that's it from that year. 
And by the way, there was a small article in 2004, about eight lines article, about the suicide bomber. It was a ridiculous article. Half-ass article. Well, that's why there is this podcast, Who Killed DeMello? I'm here simply asking, what happened to the evidence collected from the crime scene that day? It has been over 16 years, and we still don't know anything about this case. There is some kind of cover-up in the killing of 22 people at the United Nations campus that day. That's why I have chosen to do this podcast and share with you what I have gathered throughout the years. Well, someone might say, but the bombing was so powerful that little was left for forensic team to gather after the attack. But that's not a good argument. This is 2003, y'all. Sergio Demilla was a possible candidate for security general position after Kofi Annan's ending service in 2006. And yet, there was no thorough investigation done about his killing. I'm just here to put things in perspective and compare the poorly handled investigation of the bombing at the United Nations headquarters in Baghdad and uh, compare it to the one that killed, for example, Rafiq al-Hariri in Beirut, the former prime minister of Lebanon. United Nations spent over $50 million to investigate the killing of Hariri, who was killed in a car bomb, by the way, in 2005. But the killing of DeMello at the Canal Hotel in Baghdad didn't get that much volume or thorough investigation. Or even worse, there was, in my opinion, an, a cover-up of the evidence by the U.S. military side and bad teamwork at the United Nations. And yes, that's why there is this show, Who Killed DeMello? And I will, oh, by the way, as you see, the podcast will be split in two seasons. One is about DeMello. And the second is about Zarqawi. I got interested in the DeMello's case, by the way, after I searched deeply in Zarqawi's case. In the second season, I will bring up to the surface all you need to know about Zarqawi and where he was from 2003 to 2006. Not some story about bombing him with a thousand, uh, uh, thousand pound bomb and and hib hib and then he comes out with like someone that hit him with a with a rock you piece of shit sick and tired of half ass information Zarqawi had a direct link to the killing of Demelo for this thug declared in an audio that he was behind the attack on the UN do you want to know how I am spiritually connected to this case well, I was born in west of Iraq, and we moved to Baghdad, to East Baghdad, when I was seven. Our house was located about a half a mile away from the Canal Hotel, which later became United Nations headquarters. I really think that all Iraq's problems and the chaos happened after the killing of DeMello. Had DeMello been alive today, Iraq would have been in a different situation. And here, let me now share with you information about who Mr. DeMello was. 
Sergio Vieira de Mello was born in Rio de Janeiro in March 1948. For a diplomat father and the family lived in many countries and traveled to different regions. That made the young Sergio open to the world's cultures and languages, which later made him a global citizen. In 1968, he was admitted to the Sorbonne University in Paris, France, where he deepened his studies on Hegel and Karl Marx. After he graduated, he started working for the United Nations as a translator. He was only 21. In 1971, he was assigned his first United Nations field mission in South Asia. A region later became the nation of Bangladesh. He assisted in the food and shelter distribution for Bengalese refugees who were returning home after their expulsion from what was back then East Pakistan. Sergio's second field mission was Sudan. He helped Sudanese refugees and, uh, dis and displaced persons to return to their homes. This was during the first Sudanese civil war that had ended in 1972. That poor country went to, through two long civil wars and unrest. In 1974, Vieira de Mello started his PhD at the Sorbonne on the role of philosophy in contemporary society then he uh, took an, uh, another mission, this time to protect and deliver aid to Cypriots, displaced people in the Greek-Turkish War, the island of Cy Cyprus. In 1975, Sergio Villarreal-Melo and his uh, first wife, Annie, moved to Mozambique to assist in a refugee crisis. Later, they had a new post in Peru where Sergio was working as a regional representative for a United Nations High Commissioner for uh, Refugees, UNHCR. He arranged for the repatriation of Latin American refugees who had first gone to Chile, but following the coup d'etat uh, of um, Augusto Pinochet in 1973, they, had, uh, they fled back to Peru. During that time spent in Peru, his first son was born. I think that was in 1978. In 1980, Sergio returned to Geneva where he worked in the personnel division of the UNHCR. And in 1981, he completed his uh, doctorat d'état on lettres et sciences humaines at Sorbonne Université. By the end of that year, he and his family were sent to Lebanon, where he worked as a senior political officer in a peacekeeping mission. He participated in the United Nations Interim Force in Lebanon, uh, which was uh, mandated to inspect and assist with the removal of, yeah, right, of Israeli troops in conflict with the Palestinians in south, uh, southern Lebanon, which of course didn't happen. It didn't happen till 2000. In early 1990s, Dumelo became head of the Division of Repatriation and Resettlement Operations of the UN uh, Transitional Authority for Cambodia. And in 1992, Vieira de Mello and his uh, small United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees team, uh, they started to meet with Khmer Rouge 
leaders, and in order to enable the return of Cambodian refugees to safety and he, his direct negotiations with the Khmer Rouge resulted in the repatriation of some 360,000 Cambodians who had long been displaced in Thai camps. Mission was completed by June of 1993. Between 1993 and 1994, Vieira de Mello served as political director to the UN Protection Force the peacekeeping force in Croatia and Bosnia and Herzegovina. First, Sergio was based in Sarajevo and then in Zagreb. In 1994, he negotiated ceasefires between Serbs and Bosnians that allowed the opening of routes in Sarajevo for the entry of humanitarian aid and some circulation of people, but Sergio failed to prevent a massacre from happening massacre of Bosnian men in Serbia of July 1995. And I got to mention here that I am not here to make Mr. DeMello sound like an angel and flawless man. He had his bad experiences in many places. I mean, he presented, I mean, he represented the UN and I'm not here to show you the great work of the United Nations. Actually, I am very against the United Nations pulling of uh, their peacekeeping mission of, uh, out of Rwanda in 1994. And that was, as we all know, a disaster that uh, went against uh, the Rwandans. In 1995, DeMello became Director of Policy Planning and Operations at UNHCR, a new position created that year. And this time he was asked to deal with the refugee crisis in the Great Lakes region in Africa, where he negotiated with both governments and armed rebels in what was back then Zaire, the conflict that originally ignited in next-door Rwanda and the brutal ethnic uh, conflicts of 1994 that caused of hundreds of thousands of lives. In a mission to DRC, the Democratic Republic of Congo, uh, in, uh, in, in December of uh, 1996, we're still in the same uh, region, uh, DeMello failed to repatriate Rwandan Hutu refugees. In 1997, and due to marital troubles with his first wife, Annie, DeMello returned to Geneva and lived alone in a, re re a rented apartment. In 1999, Vera DeMello headed a United Nations mission to Kosovo. Being a transitional administrator, he was challenged at the time because Vieira de Mello uh, could not guarantee an independence schedule to the Kosovars or ensure security for Serbs living in Kosovo. His main accomplishment was the creation of a multi-ethnic transitional council. That same year of 1999, the United Nations negotiated with Indonesia for the East Timorese people to vote for their independence after 20 years of occupation. In October, the Security Council created the UN Transitional Administration in East Timor, granting legislative and executive authority first to a United Nations administrator rather than directly to the East Timorese, with Annan 
choosing Kofiana, he chose Viera de Mello for the post. But when Sergio started his work, he approached as many of the East Timorese leaders as he could, such as Janana Guzmao, a former rebel commander and political leader, leader who had long advocated for independence. Viera de Mello successfully created a transition schedule according to which East Timor would be completely independent by April of 2002. And in May of that year, Gujmao was elected as president of East Timor. By the end of 2000, as he was still in East Timor, Viera de Mello had met Carolina Larriera. While in East Timor, Sergio de Mello had met Carolina Larriera, an Argentine United Nations economist who was also part of the mission in East Timor. And in, in, two, in January of 2001, they started dating. dating. And in uh, December, uh, de Mello filed for an official divorce that would take a long time. And, uh, and this is from his first wife once again. Her name is Annie. She was French. The divorce was supposed to be final in October of 2003, but Sergio was killed in August of that year. With the final dispatch of the East Timor mission, Vera de Mello hoped that Kofi Annan would send him to a less troubled mission. On September 12, 2002, Sergio officially began his term as a United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights. And as soon as he took on the post, he publicly criticized the approaches being used to combat terrorism, such as Guantanamo detention camp that the U.S. government had set up in January of 2002. He did not agree with the claims made for the invasion of Iraq by the U.S.-led coalition in March of 2003. He criticized the U.S. for its lack of dialogue and care for the Security Council resolutions, especially Resolution Number 1441, which offered Iraq, under Saddam Hussein, a last chance to comply with its disarmament obligations. Here I got to mention that the inspectors of the International Atomic Energy that didn't did not find any weapons of mass destruction in Iraq throughout the years of embargo. And I will cover this uh, Iraq's WMD more in the next episode and how that played a role and led to the war of uh, invasion of Iraq of 2003. So this was my ridiculous version of telling you who DeMello was. And I tried... Uh, to put his uh, 34 years of achievements in just a few minutes. In the next episode, I will tell you how the U.S. prepared to go to war in 2003 and the role of DeMello in it. Please remember to subscribe to Who Killed DeMello. The song of the podcast is by the Iraqi-American artist, Faris Farah. <laughs>